and welcome to the week six edition of the Megapod here on the lines, the lines.com. Matt Brown, Steven Anderson, Adam Candy coming to you. And boys, been a good season so far. Hopefully, we can keep it rolling here in a week in which I will give the disclaimer didn't love a ton of the stuff this week. There are bets in the account. But there are not things that I was just really, really deeply in love with this week. Maybe you guys can sway me and uh, move me in a direction one way or another on these games. Kick things off here over in London, Baltimore Ravens, Tennessee Titans. Now, this one I did put in the account at a different number. Currently sitting four, four and a half in favor of the Ravens. 42 is your total. This was three minus 120. So it was an expensive three. I put the expensive three in the account on the Ravens. We don't have to go over what a complete and utter shit show that Ravens game was last week and how they managed to drop eight balls officially. Nine, if you count, when Zay Flowers just fell over with the turf monster when he was 40 yards down the field. And then, of course, all of the craziness that went on, including the pick in the end zone, where they still could have covered the number had they just kicked the field goal instead. But... um Look, it was a good it was a good spot I feel like for this Ravens squad kind of getting the negative sentiment on them. And then Adam, look, this Tennessee team, the secondary was already pretty easy to throw on, and now you get the front four, which the the big thing about the Titans like, "Hey, look, you can't run on them. You know, you can't run on them." They're banged up on the defensive line now too. And so you get a Ravens team that I think is going to have a little bit of success on the offensive side of the ball here. They're much healthier than they have been over the last couple of weeks as well for us, you know, that was one of the reasons we were betting against them was because of the injury report and uh, much better for them, much worse for the Titans. So I, I think a field goal, pretty fair. I think the number at four right now, I would still either play the Ravens or pass. I, I think it's Ravens or pass for me in this one. So this is one of those interesting spots where we have one big difference that has been very clearly reported about how these two teams have treated the week. Now, what do you think about this? Uh, it's up to you to make that decision, but Baltimore went directly over to London after its game last weekend, and Tennessee has basically waited until now uh, to go there. And apparently, according to what we've read, John Harbaugh was kind of obsessed with getting the travel correct and making sure the rest was correct and making sure his team was ready to go. And if I had a team that has had the injury issues of the Ravens, I probably would be trying to maximize anything I could in terms of sports performance as well. Now, I like Matt's angle. I think the idea of let's fade the negative sentiment on the Ravens because of what happened last week and because of so much fluky stuff that went on in that game, it makes perfect sense. On the other side of this with the Tennessee Titans, I don't really know what it is that we can say this team is particularly good at. Um, I think we can probably, if you want to get lost in this handicap a little bit, you could go into the idea of Tennessee as a pass funnel. But as you just said, Matt, Jeffrey Simmons, although he's trending the right direction, uh, is still banged up on the defensive line for the Tennessee Titans. I see Matt's angle. I like Matt's angle. I don't have it uh, bet, but I also uh, with you that it would probably be Ravens or pass. Yeah, we look, Stephen, uh, Danico Autry also questionable in, in this one. He did get in a, a limited practice yesterday, so he's likely to go as well. But these are guys that are playing less than 100%. And we know if 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 that team, no Traylon Burks already out, ruled out for them, didn't even make the uh, trip. Tire Tart on the defensive line as well. Defensive tackle already ruled out, didn't make the trip over there too. And so if you look, 
I just don't know what you love about Tennessee. It's like it's subpar quarterback play. I think we're finally starting to see the the downward trend for Derrick Henry. Finally, I know he kind of bucked the tr- the the system there for the the last couple of years, but I just don't know what you really grasp onto other than the fact that hey, you can't run on them, so you at least know what the defense you at least know what the offense is going to do against them. But I don't think that's the case here because of the injuries on the defensive line. I actually thought the Titans offensively played pretty well last week compared to what we've seen from them. And they still only scored 16 points. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, the bad secondary showed up and gave up seven yards per play to a combination of Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew. So this offense almost has to play perfect to win games with how bad the pass funnel defense is on that side. And for Baltimore, I'm glad you highlighted the travel difference here with London. I think that's important. I also think it's important just to overall note how unlucky the Ravens have been in these two losses. Matt, you diagrammed nicely the fourth quarter and overall drop issues against the Steelers. To put a number on it, the Ravens still outgained the Steelers by .6 yards per play in that game, which is pretty solid. And in the loss to the Colts, outgained Indianapolis by 1.2 yards per play. So honestly, two very unlucky losses for the Ravens on their schedule so far here. So um, with that in mind, I'm not sure I can get there at the current number at four. I I agree with you, Matt, that it's Ravens or pass. Um, I sat there and looked at the expensive three middle of the week and thought, well, there's been movement on the, on the, on the Titans so far. Let's see if we just get down to the, the normal juice here on the three and it didn't. And it shot right back up to three and a half. So I missed that number, but I'm still very interested in playing the Ravens this week. So like last week, I'm getting creative. I don't want to bet them to basically have to win by a touchdown here or more to win this game or to win that bet. So I went Ravens money line parlayed with Eagles money line against the jets. When I bet it, it was around minus one Oh five. Uh, But that's kind of the strategy I'm looking at here because I do think that there's a very strong likelihood that some positive regression is coming for the Ravens and they win this game. Washington Commanders, Atlanta Falcons. Falcons are two and a half point home favorites over the Commanders. 42, 42 and a half is your total. Steven, these are just two, two really bad to middling. I mean, middling to bad teams in this. I can, I have heard people make a case for the Commanders in a teaser leg. I wouldn't talk you off of it. It's a low total. Right. The Falcons offense is not built to beat anybody by margin. They're just, they're just not. And so I, I can hear you out if you want to go in that direction. I just think the range of outcomes in this is too wide for me, given the fact that the commander's defense has been so bad and we thought it was going to be good. And then you look at the Falcons and maybe they learned something last week. Maybe they learned that, oh, we can't run the ball at a 65% clip and actually beat teams in the NFL threw the ball a little bit better, threw the ball a little bit more. With all of that, I I ended up ultimately deciding this was a wait and see for me. Uh, You know, did the Falcons figure something out? Are they actually going to move kind of into 2023 NFL offense? Or was that just an aberration last week, et cetera, et cetera? So for me, maybe you look at, Maybe you look at some props in this one from a Drake London side of things or something. We saw DJ Moore go absolutely nuts against this commander's secondary last week. So maybe that's the play uh, here for this. But for me, for right now, it's just going to be a wait and see. What say you? 
How about the Commanders have lost two of their last three games by 20-plus points, including to the Chicago Bears? Is that enough to talk you off the teaser leg on the Commanders? I know they're playing the Falcons, but there's just such volatility with Washington right now. Yeah. I'm playing a decent amount of teasers, and I, you know, you heard the money line parlay I played with with Baltimore, uh, but this is not one that I'm including this week, just because I think there's, I think there's strategic issues here with Eric Bieniemy. I hate the fact, <clears throat> beg your pardon, uh, that Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson only have 32 percent of the targets in this offense so far this year. Meanwhile, 56% of the targets are going to tight ends named Bates and Turner and Thomas and the running backs. Like I, That's just a flaw in what is happening here with Sam Howell. Maybe it's protection. Maybe it's the enemy. I don't know what it is, but McClure and Dotson should be dominating targets in this offense, and they are not. And the, the matchup with Atlanta's defense is not great either. This is a top 10 pass defense by success rate. Washington's offense is outside the top 20 by advanced metrics. And when Washington has the ball, Atlanta has the number one rush D by EPA. This is a much improved Atlanta defense this season with Arthur Smith. So uh, I certainly am not going to the bank and saying Desmond Ritter is fixed after he had probably his best game of his career last week. It's one game we'll see. But I think there is at least something to note with Arthur Smith's team here in Atlanta being much better at home than they have been on the road. The Falcons are 9-3 and three outright at home since the start of last season. And the defense is much better this year than it was last year. So under a field goal here, I'm willing to take a shot on the Falcons at home despite my still current concerns with Desmond Ritter. Yeah, we're looking here, Adam. Um with Washington, our preseason analysis as we were heading in, we were like, hey, look, we don't really know what we're going to get in Sam Howell, but at least there's that defense. You know, they're never going to be getting blown out in games because, hey, that defense. And then here we are with the defense is 25th overall DVOA. You look a little bit further into all of this, their past defense, EPA 28th in the league, rush defense, EPA 26th in the league, et cetera, et cetera. So that defense is, is actually not there at all and so uh, kind of tough right for us to really make a case for for Washington but Atlanta has certainly given us a lot of reasons to question what they're doing as well all right let's play a little game here guys right now here week six of the 2023 season I'm going to give you one quarterback right now that you have to choose Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter I mean, I oh, guess I take man. Howell because I have a little bit more of a sample size of Ritter and know that he's not the dude, but, like, I don't know. Can I take Jameis Winston instead? But like, this this goes back to, like, the Brock Purdy arguments we've had. It's not You're just not, the quarterback. No, 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 listen, listen Longwind. I, listen, Longwind. <laughs> I asked you a question to choose a quarterback. I don't want a dissertation. I want to know which quarterback you're taking. Probably slight edge to Howell right now. And you both would have said that, I bet you, a bit stronger before last week when we saw Desmond Ritter come out and have a good performance that, for me, is the performance that a lot of people who backed the Falcons before the season have been waiting to see. They've been waiting to say, see? See, I knew it was in there somewhere, right? And you have one of those, and you have four others that say bad, and you have last season that says bad, and so... I am perfectly willing to say that on a teaser leg this week, 
If I'm wrong, if Desmond Ritter wants to prove me wrong and do it again against one of the worst pass defenses in the league, you go right ahead and prove me wrong because I believe that the Washington offense has enough juice to keep this inside of a score. And ultimately, when we look at non-garbage time EPA for the Falcons offense, they're worse than Washington. So in the end, if I'm going to take the slightly better quarterback and I'm going to take the, I'm going to say, not comparable position group, but it's not a huge, huge edge to Atlanta. And ultimately, the offense that's performed better, and I'm going to get eight and a half points with it, that's where, Matt, if you're going to say, I'm talking you into where my teaser leg comes from, that's where my teaser leg comes from. San Francisco 49ers and the Cleveland Browns. Um, Look, this is, we don't have to convince you about the 49ers at this point, and certainly we don't have to convince you against a backup quarterback that is actually the third string quarterback that has now been moved into the second string quarterback because the second string quarterback was so terrible last time out. So it's PJ Walker going to be going for the Browns, not DTR. And we are sitting with a 10 point line right now, pretty universally in favor of the 49ers on the road with a total as low as 35 and a half out there. So a 10 point spread in a 35 and a half point total. Now, this is less about this game, Adam, for me, than it is about just an overarching thing that we've preached over and over again, but let's go ahead and preach it. I have a four and a half ticket in my account on the 49ers. The reason I have a four and a half ticket in my account on the 49ers is I have a very well curated beat writer list on the Twitter machine. If you do not have one, I have it to where you can go and follow mine. You can literally subscribe to the list that I have. There was a beat reporter goes, huh, interesting. Don't see Deshaun Watson out here anywhere. And then a little bit later, it was, oh, he's not going to be doing his media obligations today and whatever. You start to put the, you start to put, connect the dots, right? You start to put things together. And Off I said, of bye week too, right? Yeah. It's like, at the very least, I have a ticket in my account that I don't hate in the four and a half on the 49ers. And at the best case scenario, I'm going to have a monster of a ticket in my account on the 49ers that ended up being the case. And again, if it, this isn't for everyone, right? I mean, this is just, if you're, if you want to take this a little bit more seriously, and if you really want to do this, getting that Twitter list, following these beat writers, kind of connecting the dots here, reading the tea leaves is something that can put you in a very advantageous position. Now the Browns can still keep this thing close and I can lose this ticket. That is, that is absolutely in the realm of possibilities here, but I have a ticket that has five and a half points of, of value on it. And it was strictly because of information that was coming out that anybody could have gotten. This is not saying I'm smarter than anybody out there. I'm not. Trust me. It is just information that everybody could have gotten at the same time and could have put that ticket in their account. All right. So let's play a little game with the handicap here, right? And the way you look at this game. Because if you believe that an elite offense is going to beat an elite defense, then you're obviously on San Francisco, right? Because that's the matchup that matters in this game. We already know the, the matchup of Philip. don't call him P.J. Walker, against the San Francisco 49ers defense. I don't need to tell you anything about that. The team total on Cleveland right now is 12 and a half. So that should tell you everything you need to know about where Cleveland is at the moment. But what I know is that I want to be betting on elite offense if I'm going to be betting on anything. I'm not betting on defense. You're going to have a very difficult time convincing me ever to be betting on defense for something that a handicap is other than an under. So now 
The San Francisco 49ers team total is 22 and a half. The only way that the San Francisco 49ers do not get there is if the weather in this game really turns out to be the disaster that it's shaping up to be. And it's a wind game. It's a rain game. And what do we see when we see those games? Well, we see teams turn to their run game. The San Francisco 49ers are elite running the football. They are elite in the short passing game. They don't have to throw the ball long in order to score points. So if I want to isolate this down to one thing in this game that I think I can control, I think I can control Kyle Shanahan's game plan and the fact that the San Francisco 49ers are still going to score points even if this turns out to be a weather game. So the one way that I could see getting into this would be San Francisco over team total 22 and a half. Other than that, it's a pass for me. Steven, give us give us your 90-second take in three and a half minutes. <laughs> you guys are something else. Uh, yeah, a- a- Adam makes all great points there. And uh, I'm just going to give my weekly plug to our Discord channel because our 4,000 members in there got either 49ers minus two and a half or 49ers minus three this week if they were in the Discord. So go to thelines.com, top right-hand corner, hit that Discord button, get in there. Our staff is sharing the best of the numbers. Often Sunday evening, Monday are where we're getting these numbers. All the same things Matt just described and following the beat reporters and seeing what's what's going on with Deshaun Watson were all the things we shared and talked about in our community. And we have an amazing number this week on the 49ers. So, uh, and it's free. So really nothing to lose there. Yes. But yeah, no, no, nothing for me to do at this point uh, in this game with what we know. I will just echo what Adam said about the 49ers team total Brock Purdy's only gone under 30 points one time in the regular season as 49ers starting quarterback so at this point yeah I think only high wins are what can stop him and Kyle Shanahan in this offense right now the only other thing I would add to this game is so this is coming out of a bye week and we still can't get Deshaun Watson out there on the field something's fishy so So now you start to wonder, like, what's actually, like, going on here? Mm -hmm. The, I I mean, listen, I know it's a long way. The Bengals are plus 425 to win that division. They are behind the Steelers in in that. Like, if if Deshaun Watson can't play after being out there, after getting a bye week, we're hearing that he was warming up that day that he got scratched late and couldn't throw the ball further than 10 yards down the field. And now he can't play after a bye week. I get it. The Ravens are the favorite and should be, but over four to one on Cincinnati. I, I don't believe in the Steelers. Y'all don't believe in the Steelers. Nobody believes in the Steelers. And if the Browns can't get their quarterback out on the field, guys, we're getting over Browns, four to one on Cincinnati. Browns also still plus money to miss the playoffs right now. Yeah. Adam, I don't know what you think about the AFC North, but I, I mean, it's just uh, I, there's some interesting numbers out there. I would, if the play is this is value, then I'll take it at this is value as this is the second best team left in the division and the second best team in the division shouldn't be plus 425. But when we get to Cincinnati, Seattle, I have, I have some thoughts. Agreed. New Orleans Saints and the Houston Texans. This is now point and a half to two in favor of the Saints on the road at Houston. 42 and a half is your total. Texans going to be down kind of their star receiver to date and Tank Dell not able to get out of the concussion protocol. This is pretty much par for the course, guys. So if you are handicapping these games, and this is something that 
another another teaching moment, if you will, here. But if your handicap does rely on whether a guy's going to be in or out because he was put into the concussion protocol the week prior, we have not had a skill position player get out of the concussion protocol in one week since they went to these new guidelines since the middle of last season. And it and it was because it was a a fake diagno- a false diagnosis of of concussion. It was I think it was week seven of last year in which that happened. And so you can pretty much take it to the bank that the guy ain't getting out of concussion protocol and he ain't going to be there. So you can just kind of take that moving forward in any of these handicaps with these guys. So that's where we're at here in this one. Um, Steven, look, I don't like the saints. Y'all know my feelings on the Texans. I, that being said, I couldn't put the teaser leg in the account. I really wanted to, it's still there. I still could get it there. And Adam made a compelling case for the commanders. And this would be kind of a natural dance partner here with the Texans and a pretty low total game at 42 and a half. Uh, but it's not in there yet. Not saying it can't be. I used the Texans on a teaser leg this week up to seven and a half. Yeah. Uh, I feel pretty good about it. Uh, I think the saints are an extremely lucky three and two, to be quite honest with you, based on the yeah. schedule that they've played. I think it's a benefit of, of the opponents they played. Saints offense is 29th in the NFL in yards per play and over the past three weeks they are bottom 10 in net yards per play somehow they won a game 34 to nothing last week and my confidence in them did not rise I, I don't know how that's possible but it happened I don't think the defense is real to be honest with you they are number four in DVOA they're number three in EPA they're top five in success rate defensively but the quarterbacks they have faced Ryan Tannehill and his worst offensive line in the league Bryce Young Jordan Love, who they lost to, Baker Mayfield, who they got blown out by, and Mac Jones. I think this is a fraudulent defense, statistically. I don't think they're nearly as good as what their metrics say. And I think the Texans' passing offense is legit. I am very impressed with C.J. Stroud. This is the number eight passing offense by EPA, the number 13 passing offense by success rate, the number six passing offense by DVOA, and the Saints have the number 29 pressure rate. Now, Tank Dell is likely out, and that's a big deal because they're getting very thin at receiver, and Robert Woods is limited as well. So it might be Nico Collins and whatever John Mechie can provide out there. So that's kind of giving me a little bit of pause to not want to just take Houston outright because what I'm seeing here on paper screams home underdog wins outright. But being a little thin at receiver on top of the offensive line being still a mash unit, I I couldn't get there on the money line, but I feel really good about the teaser leg. Adam, I don't think we can take anything that the Saints did last week and make that a basis for backing them in this game. The I mean, like I said, I, I'm the Patriots are are, are garbage, and so it's I, I, it's better for them for sure that they were able to go and put that performance up. I'm not taking that away from them, but I don't I don't look at that and say like, oh, see, look, this is the Saints are world beaters all of a sudden. Like, no, it's they beat up on a bottom five let's just be let's just be honest. i mean the bottom five team at this point um is, is what really happened there how do you see this kind of a weird game here because it's two different teams that i think you could if you want to grasp onto a reason they win but then there's also reasons that you could poke holes in reasons they win so let's ask a question here uh, about the matchup between these two teams and matt i'm gonna kick it right back to you tell me the argument against taking what is now uh, a Wong teaser with Houston. What What is it that worries you about Houston or makes you feel good about the Saints that, that would hold you off here? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess my my answer to that is Tank Dell has actually been such an incredible um, contributor to this team, and now you don't have your number one receiving option. And I understand Tank Dell is not Jamar Chase, and Tank Dell is not like any of these other like number ones out there. But I think in today's league, if a number one receiver is not going to be available for his quarterback, we at least have to give at least some extra thought to that game. I'm not saying that that maybe keeps you off of making the bet, but I do think we at least have to take some serious consideration with it. That's fair argument. I'm going to push back with the idea that Tank Dell is not the number one receiver for the Houston Texans. Nico Collins is the number one receiver for the Houston Texans. By PFF grade, he's number eight on the year. Uh, Tank Dell is number 25. By uh, yards after catch, on average, Nico Collins is tied for number one in the league with DJ Moore, and DJ Moore's stat is hugely inflated off what happened last week yeah. uh, against Washington. And uh, Nico Collins is also tied for the most forced missed tackles among wide receivers in the league. All of this is to say that if your handicap is, well, if you shut down Nico Collins, then you shut down the Texans. I don't know that it's going to be so easy to just shut down Nico Collins. Marshawn Lattimore this year, if you go among starting cornerbacks in the league, Sort him out by PFF grade, 50% of the snaps. Marjan Lattimore is round 24 with a coverage grade below 70 on the season. I'm not convinced that Marshawn Lattimore just gets stuck on the Nico Collins and shuts him down. And we've seen that CJ Stroud can work through a progression. We've seen that CJ Stroud is able to not force throws. Now, he does have no interceptions and five turnover worthy plays. So you can say there's some regression baked in there. So I look at it two ways. First of all, I have the Texans teaser leg. I like that Texans teaser, teaser leg better than I like the Washington mm -hmm. teaser leg, and I feel good about it. Frankly, if you wanted to play Texans money line here, I wouldn't argue with you because of this. With no idea who the Saints are. Derek Carr last week in a game in which the Saints went over 30 points threw for 183 yards. He was <laughs> consistently given short fields. He was consistently put in great spots by the defense, and that defense played well in large part because they had Mac Jones going against them so could the saints pop out and become the team that people think that they could be this week against houston sure they could but if you look at the last three weeks of what the texans have given you once cj stroud settled in a little bit you've gotten a team that is right there i would say toward the bottom of the second tier maybe the top of the third tier in the nfl so right now you give me that team at home in a lowish total game. I feel plenty comfortable with the teaser, and I would not talk anyone off taking either the points or a shot at the money line. We have the uh, Carolina Panthers and the Miami Dolphins. This is 14 right now in favor of the Dolphins. There's stuff coming through right now. All kinds of Panthers going to be out in this one. Adam, it's one-way traffic. It's basically name your score, name your number. When are the Dolphins going to be pulling Tua and pulling Tyreek and all that? Games like this, I hate games like this. Like, like for me, this is your this is your Survivor special. If you're still in Survivor, you play Miami this week. If you're what, maybe it's a contest play. If you want to be contrarian because people are scared off by the big number, maybe all that. I just hate games like this where I have to try to guess what McDaniel's going to do when he's going to call off the dogs, when he's going to quit calling the good plays because he don't want to waste them on the Panthers, all that stuff. So for me, I just I'll watch it. I still want to see what the Dolphins look like in a game where they need to come out and and. and 
really crush a bad opponent, but that's about all I'm going to get out of this one, I think. I have no trouble if you can still find 13 and a half laying it with Miami. And as chalky as that sounds, I have my reasons for it. Uh, people are going to look at that score last week between Miami and the Giants and not really see what happened in that game. Uh, Miami still ran up more than 500 yards on the New York <laughs> Giants. And seven points of what the Giants have was a 102-yard yeah. interception return by Jason Pinnock that should have been seven more Miami points. So if you take that, flip it around, give him back that 38, the only thing that would hold you off laying it would be, okay, Carolina looked like kind of a plucky comeback team last week, putting up some late points against the Detroit Lions. And you know what that got them? Losing by 18. So I'm not concerned at all. It's important to understand just how much better than every offense in the league, this Miami Dolphins offense is right now. And I know you don't need us to hammer this point home necessarily, but just go by offensive DVOA through the first five-plus weeks of this season. You have three elite teams in the NFL. No one would argue with Buffalo being elite. No one would argue with San Francisco's offense being elite. The Miami Dolphins are 6% ahead of the San Francisco 49ers, <laughs> who are 4% ahead of the Buffalo Bills, who are 10% ahead of the Detroit Lions. That's how good this offense is. They're back to health. I have no trouble seeing a Miami Dolphins win by any combination of numbers that leads to more than 14. Because really, what happens if you see the Carolina Panthers start to get back into this game against the number 26 DVOA defense. What happens if you see them start to get back into it? Mike McDaniel opens the playbook right back up again. The one that where he put the good plays away, he opens it right back up again and goes back down the field one more time for more points. I have no trouble seeing where the Miami Dolphins are able to call their number. And as much as I don't love these big spreads, the Miami offense is so much better, and the Carolina defense is so much worse than we expected that I'm good laying it. Steven, 47.5 is the total, so there is expected to be points. And, I mean, I, I understand the Dolphins' offense is very, very good, but a 47.5 total, Panthers are going to have to contribute to that. Um, 14 is across the board at this point. Uh, what do you see from the Dolphins and Panthers? I also hate double-digit favorites. Mm -hmm. And I bet the Dolphins minus 13 and a half. Like yeah. I, it's just so obvious to me. And DVOA isn't the only massive gap where the Dolphins have a lead over the next best offense here. Yards per play, the Dolphins are number one by a full yard per play over the next best team. That's insane for those that aren't familiar with yards per play. Last three weeks, the gap between them and the number two offense is 1.4 yards per play. So that takes out the first week of the season where they had those massive yards against the Chargers. So it's just insane. And the fact that the Giants had a 100-yard pick six and an instant red zone, red zone turnover where they got 10 free points in that game and still didn't cover two touchdowns is nuts. So when it opened 13.5 off of what we saw with Miami where they should have won by three touchdowns, and what Carolina put on the field against a very injured Detroit Lions team last week. Crazy as it sounds, easy decision for me betting a minus 13 and a half point favorite here, Adam. I just want to bring one point back up because we saw a little bit 
last two weeks overall, we saw a little bit of old Tua coming back. A little bit of careless turnover Tua. He has four turnover-worthy plays in the last couple of weeks. That interception that set up the Giants immediately in the red zone was one of those happy feet floaters. It yeah. just... It, it, that's why I say I, I laid it and I still feel good overall about where this Miami offense is. But in terms of thinking about Miami for the future, just keep an eye on that with Tua that we, we started to see a little bit of what used to worry us about Tua the last couple of weeks. Perhaps the game of the week, Seattle Seahawks and the Cincinnati Bengals. And we are sitting Cincinnati, an expensive two and a half or a cheap three home favorite over the Seattle Seahawks. 44 and a half to 45 is your total. We know Adam has a uh, has a play on this one. So getting back out getting out of order here, Adam, I'm going to start with you so we don't take any of your of your thoughts. Um, Cincinnati and Seattle, two and a half expensive, three cheap or uh, 44 and a half to 45 is the total. Seattle teaser leg and and a lot about the spot is going to worry people, right? You're seeing Cincinnati come back home after Joe Burrow, air quotes, looked like himself on the road against the Arizona Cardinals. And I asked you guys uh, in our Slack chat yesterday about blitz rates for individual games because I saw what the Cardinals blitz rate looks like on the season last. I saw what the Cardinals pressure rate looks like on the season last and I wanted to see in particular had they decided to, to come after Joe Burrow at all in that game and what I noticed just going and watching the recap was Jonathan Gannon was terrified to bring more than four because he doesn't trust anybody in the back end of his defense and guess what you had to kind of pick your poison there right like he tried to play seven back and it still didn't make a difference because Jamar Chase was able to run through everybody because nobody is able to make a difference there in that secondary for the Cardinals but go inside that game a little bit it was 24 20 with 17 minutes left in that game in favor of the Cincinnati Bengals the Arizona Cardinals had a fourth and one in which they called some sort of odd designed keeper for Josh Dobbs and then you end up with a punt a pick six and the final margin is 14 go back and look at what Joe Burrow was doing against the Blitz the first four weeks of the season, in which, in past years, he was averaging 10 yards per attempt, 8 yards per attempt. Through four weeks, he had averaged 4.5 yards per attempt against the Blitz, and the Cardinals simply refused to come after him. I do not think Pete Carroll's team is going to make the same mistake. I know Joe Burrow looked a little healthier last week, but I am not in a spot where I say to myself, Joe Burrow is healthy, I'm willing to move the Cincinnati Bengals right back up to where they were. Seattle is a bang average team for me across the board. Average offense, average defense. I have not seen Cincinnati perform against a non-Cardinals opponent at a level that says to me they're going to win by outside of a score. So I like Seattle getting eight and a half in Cincinnati. Yeah, Stephen, this one, everything screams Cincinnati to me. And yet I can't do it because I've only seen one game sample size of Joe Burrow looking like Joe Burrow. And so I just can't, I can't get there. I can't do it. They, sh everything says they should win this game. Everything with the weapons that they have says that they should be able to, to win this game by more than a field goal, but I, I'm not going to do that. And listen, I'm higher on Seattle. Y'all know, I mean, coming in this year, I'm very high on Seattle. Seattle's just been, 
okay. And that's, that is, that sits weirdly with me with Seattle. Like they haven't really looked good at all this year. And so I'm going to sit back and see if this, uh, like I said, I, I did put in a, in an AFC North ticket on Cincinnati on the chance that Burrow actually is on the right side of good here. And that this team now is probably should be the favorite in that division with given what's going on with Deshaun Watson. And of course the, the state of where Pittsburgh is at, but uh, that's really kind of my only, it's a tangent play, you know, it's a side play here on Cincinnati. More concerning for the Cincinnati offense is that, they might not even the Seattle might not even have to blitz to get pressure on Cincinnati. They quietly have a top five pressure rate this year with a blitz percentage. That's only around league average. So if they're getting pressure on Burrow without blitzing, that's even more troublesome to Adam's point. Uh, part of that is the schedule they faced, but I still think they've been solid overall for Seattle. I, I actually think this is a slightly above average team in the NFL, certainly not one of the top seven teams, you know, in that kind of lions tier, but maybe a notch below that. If you remove the week one game against the Rams, Seattle's resume looks impressive since week two. This is a top six offense by EPA and success rate. They're facing a Cincinnati defense that has been bottom half of the league in those metrics. The Seattle defense is also number one against the run. So this might make Joe Burrow one dimensional in this game. And if he's facing pressure, that's that's going to be a tough puzzle to put together for this offense in this one. So uh, I thought the look ahead line here was probably off if Burrow was healthy. It was Seattle minus two and a half. But I thought flipping it all the way back the other way to a full three for Cincinnati was too far. So I bet Seattle plus three in this one. The Bengals still had less than five yards per play in that win against Arizona to further the point that Adam had that that was a pretty close game for the majority of that contest. And they benefited greatly from that defensive score in the first half, less than four yards per play for the Cincinnati offense against Arizona. So they still need to show me that they are back. If they do it here, they win by more than a field goal. Then, yeah, we can have that conversation. They go into the bye week, get more healthy. It's certainly a, you know, a buy low for some of these futures, Matt, that you mentioned earlier in the pod. You know, I, some of us out there, we, had, we got some bonus bets and, you know, regulated sports betting land out here. So a 30 to one on Jamar Chase to win offensive player of the year in case he's back and 80 to one on Joe Burrow in case he's back because he does have the narrative if he starts going scorched earth and healthy here. But that's like some lunch money bets, right? Lunch money bets here and there on a tail end outcome if the Bengals look like they did the past couple of years. But I'll just remind you that even when the Bengals were amazing and the Bengals were getting to a Super Bowl, they were still the first team in NFL history to lose yards per play in three playoff games and reach the Super Bowl. So they were having a lot of variants go their way during that run. And it's not going their way now, and I still think they have a lot to prove here against Seattle, and I am impressed with Seattle to this point in the season. Steven, bringing up that stuff has absolutely nothing to do with this season whatsoever. I would like to make that disclaimer on this podcast, and so just uh, take all of what you just listened and rid it from your brain the because it has is, absolutely nothing point, to do with this year the whatsoever. The point is no, the Cincinnati no defense no. lost talent coming into this year compared to those teams last year, and Joe Burrow has not been healthy. 
If he shows he's healthy so here, the then we can have a conversation have to do with, about with it. With what happened in the playoffs last year from a from a yards per play, what, is, what the hell Two does years that have to ago. do with anything? The, the idea like, is that there's people out there that think the Bengals were these amazing world beaters spitting, the past couple spitting, of years. It's spitting out stats to, for the sake of spitting out stats is what that is. And like I refuse right, well, to have that. I refuse to allow that on this podcast because we're fine, not going to be like everybody else. Veto, strike gonna, it from the record. We're not, not going to be like everybody else. We're not going to be like everybody else we're not doing that's that. fine we're not doing the that's whole fine. like here's a stat that doesn't mean anything but it makes me sound smart so here let me let me do it. no we're not doing that we're not doing that on this podcast absolutely not 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 happening um, the point what is I, will, I would be very no, careful to assume game. that the Bengals are going to all of a sudden be a top five list. team again because he's Good healthy Lord. look Look, if you're going to keep pushing this point, I'm not letting you have the last word on this. I will keep <laughs> talking over you every time. You're bringing up stats from a year and a half ago on a playoff run that n- people don't even remember at this point. It's okay. It, it's fine. The, the Cincinnati Bengals were an above-average team the year they got to the Super Bowl. They were an above-average team last year, and maybe they finish up being an above-average team this year. But right now, they're not. Bet basketball, baseball, or golf with a bonus bet of up to $1,050 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code PLAYBONUS50 and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. The Lions podcast listeners can get the BetMGM app today and use promo code PLAYBONUS50 to claim your exclusive welcome bonus of up to $1,050 after your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. This is a new customer offer, 21 years or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. U.S. promotional offers not available in Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Kansas, and Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. In Iowa, call 800 bets off and call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. We move on with relevant information. Indianapolis Colts and the Jacksonville Jaguars. It is four in favor of the Jags. It is 44, 45 and a half is the total. Stephen, the big story in this one is everyone's talking about, okay, this is the Jags coming home after being in London for two weeks. There's no way they can do this. There's no way they can get this done. It's they're going to be tired. Their bodies aren't going to be adjusted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's kind of the story on the Jag side of things. The story, of course, on the Colt side of things, no Anthony Richardson, it's going to be Gardner Minshew. At least we know from the get go that it's going to be Gardner Minshew in this game. I, I don't want to buy into the whole Jags being in London for two weeks makes them a worse team thing here, really. But that being said, I don't have anything to count on the Jags. So I I will go ahead and follow that up with, yet I don't have a ticket in my account of them. They are the better team. They are the superior team. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Gardner Minshew, I think, is neutral. I know some people are trying to say it's a positive. It's neutral because, yeah, he throws it better, but he doesn't have the – he's not doing anything with his legs. He's not picking up. He's not making plays 
with his legs. He's not doing adding an element that the defense has to take, you know, account for. So it's probably just a neutral thing with Gardner Minshew. Only play I did put in the account on this one, I put in an over on Josh Downs. If you guys look, like Gardner Minshew just looks at Downs basically the exact same way that he looks at Pittman. Like there, there, there is no like actual like wide receiver one when Minshew's in there, same target share, kind of same average depth of target, same routes being run, all, all the different stuff like that. And so, yet he's priced way down from where Pittman is at. It's only at 44 and a half. I'll take the 44 and a half over on that. I think when we look at the Jags, we know the one thing about the Jags, they are actually a pass one. You cannot run against this team at all. And so you have to throw it. The Colts are going to have to throw it much more. And um, the over 44 and a half is my angle here. In this one, uh, what say you, Colts Jacks? To the Gardner Minshew point, I agree with you. I don't agree with the people that are saying it's a big downgrade, uh, and the people that are saying it's a completely different offense with Minshew's in and makes it more challenging. That's fine, but it's just also the second year in a row that Minshew has been in a Shane Steichen offense. So I think that there isn't as big of a learning curve here. I think it's a little smoother transition than what it would typically be going from a, a quarterback of Anthony Richardson style to Gardner Minshew also small sample here because he hasn't played much but in the in the snaps that Minshew has had positive completion percentage over expected versus Richardson whose CPOE was only better than Aiden O'Connell and uh, DTR on the Browns so not great passing wise for Richardson there anything that they got was mostly scheme from Steichen and the Jags play zone defense at a top 10 rate in the NFL Minshew, a passer rating around 100 against zone this year, 80% completion percentage against zone this year. Very solid numbers. Flip the other side, I'm a little concerned about the Jags being able to protect against the Colts front here. The Colts are number nine in pass rush win rate, number four in run stop win rate. Jags are bottom three in pass block and run block win rate. So is Trevor Lawrence going to have enough time here? And the Colts are generating pressure with a bottom five blitz rate in the NFL. So they're able to keep extra men in coverage against Lawrence, which has led to the number one zone coverage team in the NFL with the Colts defense. And Lawrence is below average this season and also last season in completion percentage and passer rating against zone defense. So all that being said, I think there's enough here to take more than a field goal on the Colts. So I did. I took Indianapolis plus four and a half. If you're hearing this later and only plus fours available, I would still bet that too. Adam, we do have uh, Trevor Lawrence that is, I don't think a lot of people would, would think this, is the number two graded overall passer according to Pro Football Focus, only behind Tua Tagovailoa. Um, and if you look, there is a lot of stuff that probably could lean towards him being even, even better. Certainly from a counting stats perspective, been a victim of a bunch of terrible drops. Certainly, there's been some untimely turnovers for this offense as well. Uh, stuff that he can't really control along the way, too, whenever you consider that, you know, some of these fumbles that the running backs are having. I, I think the Jags are kind of on the up right now. I'm going back to what I said at the beginning. I still don't have the four in the account. I think the Jags are kind of all, I think the Jags are kind of the team to watch here over the next few weeks and see if they really do kind of take that next step. But given that I don't know what a team looks like coming from two weeks overseas, I'm going to go ahead and say, all right, Matt, if they win by 10 and you feel stupid that you didn't put the four in there, then so be it. But I'm going to 
play that I I'm smart enough to know what I don't know. And I don't know what teams don't look, look like after spending two weeks overseas. And so it, it's a pass for me. Yeah. You and I are 100% in sync on this game because everything I have on this game says play Jags, right? At, at minus four, my, my rating is Jags minus five and a half. Uh, not only do you have the fact that the Jags have been a top five run defense in the league so far this year, they're adding back in a starting tackle in Devon Hamilton into that line to go along with Foto Fadakasi. And you're going to now make that a team that is a straight no on trying to run against them. And so now if we're putting Gardner Minshew into the situation of, we know you have to pass and you don't really have any receivers, then I'm in the situation where I say there are two ways into this game for me. You could talk me into the spread. I'm not going to do it. I'm off it. But if you sat here and banged me over the head for the next half hour with good Jag stats and said, okay, this is the game where everything you thought could be good about the Jags comes out, then sure, I'd be on it. And I think a lot of people will be convinced that was last week against the Bills. I don't think it was last week against the Bills. They held the ball for 40 minutes. That's fantastic. Trevor Lawrence was unbelievable on third down. That's fantastic. Uh, but the Buffalo Bills defense lost multiple starters within that game. I'm not willing to bank too yeah. much on that. The other way in that I would look at this, uh, I know you're talking about an over, Matt. I have a hard time seeing that if the Colts can't run the ball at all. And so for me, I would actually be looking Indianapolis in particular at an under on them without the ability to run the ball. You can find it 20 and a half minus 20, or you can play it 19 and a half even money considering I'm not the kind of player who's putting in a stake where it's going to make a significant difference to play minus 20. I'd like to get that extra number and play yeah. 20 and a half. So I'll play under 20 and a half on the Colts. The uh, rushing props are not up yet. But I guarantee you Zach Moss is going to be on an inflated number coming off last week, and he's not going to get to anything. If you told me he didn't get to 50 yards this week between the fact that the Jags are a better run defense and that Jonathan Taylor is going to cut into his carries, I'd believe you. Yeah, the last thing I will say this, this might be a pretty opportune like live betting scenario. If you kind of see from the get-go that the Jags just look like the Jags, then I wouldn't be afraid to come in on the Jags, right? I mean, like I think if this is a, if this is a flat, if this is a flat scenario where hey, you just the bodies just aren't readjusted and they just look like trash, then I think we'll be able to see it fairly early in in this one. So, um, it might be a might be a live bet for me to come in on the Jags if I see the first two series and it's like oh they just look like the Jags, so like they they look normal. Then I think that might be a an angle for me in this one as well. Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. This is three in favor of the Vikings on the road against the Bears. 43 and a half, 44 is your total. Of course, the big story here, Adam, no Justin Jefferson, and we're no Justin Jefferson for the foreseeable future. Um, Bears, what? Signs of life over the last couple of weeks? I mean, that's pretty much the way to explain it. Certainly at least a, a connection between fields and more so that's got to make you feel a little bit better on the bear side they should be getting back three starters on the defensive side of the ball two of which are in the secondary so this defense that has been absolutely atrocious might actually be a little bit better i played the under man i i, I it and i played it at 44 and a half so they're still 44 so it's not like i have that much better of 
of, of a number than, than what's out there. I think the Vikings will be fine trying to adjust as we move forward, but in a week, I don't know how you just figure out an offense without Jefferson being out there. And then on the Bears side of things, I think the defense might be a tad better getting these guys back as well. And, of course, we know the Bears offense is just not all that great. And so I, I played under 44 and a half. Uh, pass overall for me, too many variables to try to factor in. I actually think the Minnesota offense is going to be fine. Um, they're not going to be as good, clearly. You don't lose Justin Jefferson and just straight up replace him. But you're talking about an offense that still has multiple skill position players that are above average. I mean, TJ Hawkinson, probably for our purposes, is one of the five or six tight ends in the league who actually would matter if you took him away for the purpose of the point spread. You talk about KJ Osborne and Jordan Addison, and you feel like you've got two, two competent receivers to be able to throw in there as well. So I trust in the fact that Minnesota is going to figure it out. But beyond what you just said, that they only had a week to know this, Matt, you also have to look at the fact that this is another one of the weather games uh, this mm -hmm. week, and it's a wind game. And again, the wind could be a factor when Minnesota is trying to figure out a passing offense, and you can't just throw the ball to Justin Jefferson and say, here, go get it. So on the other side of this, you're going to hear a lot about Justin Fields versus the Blitz and how bad Justin Fields has been versus the Blitz and how much Brian Flores likes to Blitz. The Blitz rate is actually down fairly significantly in the last two weeks for Brian Flores. Will he dial it back up in a game where you might be able to try to win by forcing Justin Fields into turnovers? Yeah, I think it's entirely possible. But all told, way too much between the weather and the Minnesota offensive adjustment for me to want to get involved here. Steven, what do you uh, what you say here in in the Vikings Bears? You know me, never never scared. <laughs> so uh, this dip below three, and I took some Vikings minus two and a half here. Really, just, I don't hate just, it. I don't. I don't hate yeah. it. No, no. I'm, yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. I, I mean, just it, just selling high on the Bears, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. For the most part here, I mean, this is this is the best the Bears have looked in a little bit. I'm still skeptical that this is not a bottom five team in the NFL. Um, and I think all those points Adam just made about, about the Vikings are fair with Justin Jefferson. Look ahead line was four and a half when Jefferson was healthy, reopened three and a half when most of us knew at that point, Jefferson probably was at least going to miss this week, if not more. When it dipped below three, that's where the buyback started. I was part of it. So that's that's kind of where I'm at here, just taking a flyer. But I certainly understand the uh the concerns here with the wind and the Vikings relying on a passing game, whereas the Bears can rely a little bit more on a running game. So might be a live betting opportunity here for me, honestly, to try and just middle this number if the Vikings get an early score and I can get something higher on the Bears here in a win game. And Matt, just to, to yeah. add to the point here before we, before we move on, uh, I don't know where the TJ Hawkinson number will come out on receptions. Uh, I would assume it's probably around five and a half. If it's at five and a half, I will be taking a piece of over on that. New England Patriots and the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I don't even want to give a handicap of this game. I took the Patriots at three, mainly because it's two horrible teams playing against each other and I'm getting a full field goal. If I want to try and back up the Patriots side of this, um, Stephen, it's the fact that they've at least played some decent teams so far. And so Mac Jones maybe isn't God awful. Maybe he's just bad. And so you do look Eagles, Jets, Cowboys, Saints, like those are all good defenses, right? And so now you get the Raiders, one of the worst in the league. 
I, I, I'm, I'll take the full field goal. That's it. That's the extent of the handicap. If Mac Jones proves to be a literally one of the five worst quarterbacks in all the NFL and I lose this game, then, then so be it. And I've learned my lesson. I hate the Patriots. I can't believe I put in a bet on them, but I did. Yeah, I, I get it. You're just buying low here. Uh, and, and can the Raiders defense <clears throat> replicate? <clears throat> beg your pardon. Sorry. Uh, can the Raiders defense replicate what Dallas and the Saints did to Mac Jones in the past two weeks? I'm pretty skeptical of that. So, yeah, just Josh McDaniels, you can rely every single week to not make plus EV decisions to increase his win probability in a game. He did it again last week with a 50-something yard field goal instead of going for fourth and one to try and sew up the game. So, yeah, I just think you have a coaching edge here with Belichick. I think this is a big buy low spot on the Patriots where this line was closer to a pick em, um in previous weeks. So, yeah, it would only be Patriots or pass for me. Like Firm rule for me in this stage of NFL betting, never bet on Josh McDaniels to win a game by more than a field goal. Just absolute no, never going to do that. Yeah, I think that that's, I think that's fair too. Uh, Adam, Raiders... I mean, what can you even say, really, at this point? Don't do anything really well. Uh, Garoppolo just limits this offense so much. Josh Jacobs can't get going because no one's afraid of Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball down the field. And so, I don't know. I don't know what you grasp onto here if you if you want them at, at covering a field goal, right? I mean, I, if you want to make a case for me that two and a half is too little, I guess I could at least listen to someone. But at the full field goal, it's it's tough for me. Both of you predict the final score of this game. Hmm. 20 to 10 Patriots, 20 to 13 Patriots. Okay. That's right. That's it. That's it. Steven. Mm, 20. Good radio. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> 20, 23, 21, 23, 20, maybe less than that. 20 to so 17. You, okay. You, you both think the Patriots are getting to 20 points or more. Um, I do not think the Patriots are getting to 20 points or more, no matter how bad this Raiders defense might be. Uh, 20 and a half right now is the number, or I should say um, 19 and a half most spots on the New England Patriots. Um, I'm okay under that. If you don't like that, if you, if you want to go where Matt and where Steven are, how many games have the Las Vegas Raiders scored 20 points in this year? A big fat zero. None. They have not scored 20 points in a single game this year, and somehow they have two wins. One, because the Broncos missed two kicks, and Sean Payton gave them a short field, and the other because Jordan Love threw three interceptions. So, a full game under makes sense to me. Uh, Patriots under makes sense to me, because I think if you believe the Patriots win this game, I think you believe the Patriots win this game with defense, not with offense. So if the handicap is, I'll take the Patriots and the points, then I think you're saying you think this Patriots defense can be better than it has been. And obviously no Matt Judon, obviously no Christian Gonzalez. You said, I believe it was Steven said, the Raiders don't do anything well. They do one thing well, and it's Max Crosby yes, making havoc. And there are three starting three. offensive linemen on the injury report for the New England Patriots. I think this game is something in the range of 17-14, 17-13. Uh, I don't see either of these teams being able to push the ball down the field with any consistency because, Matt, as you mentioned, when the Raiders are able to move the ball, 
it's dink, dunk, dink, dunk. And it is Jacoby Myers for eight yards, Jacoby Myers for seven yards. They don't know where Devontae Adams is. He's on the milk carton right now for everyone in that offense. And so unders all around for me in this game. Detroit Lions and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just got word as we were coming on air. Mike Evans, a full go for the Bucs, so he's going to be out there for them. The Lions getting Amon Ross St. Brown back. Sam Laporta was questionable, but the beat reporter literally 45 seconds ago comes through, and it says Laporta is going to give it a go for the Lions as well. This is three in favor of the Lions on the road at the Bucs. Adam, I think the Bucs are just feisty enough to maybe keep this thing somewhat close. If a three and a half popped, I could maybe be tempted on the Bucks at three and a half, but it, I don't think we're going to get there. So for me, sit back, watch, and see if this Lions team actually is one of the five, six best teams in all the NFL. I, I have this as a strong lean Lions at three. I haven't played it, and I don't ultimately think that I will play it. Um, the other factor in this is... How long does the make Baker Mayfield hot streak last? I, I don't know. I mean, right hopefully now one is, more week because I have to stream him in one of my fantasy leagues. Oh, so hopefully, hopefully one more oh week boy. there, Adam. Well, yeah. four, 14th by PFF grade uh, <laughs> thus far, but this is about to be the best defensive test that he's faced because the Lions are a strange handicap team for me where I, I'm not continually moving the Lions up. I just keep holding the lines where they are and have other teams dropping below them. And because other teams keep dropping below them, they keep moving up in my power ratings because I can't argue the numbers that I keep seeing on them. I don't care what, you know, whether you use EPA, whether you use DVO, whatever number you use, the lines are sitting there in the top seven or eight in just about every meaningful category in the league on both sides of the ball. So I can't move them down. And yet I also can't get a handle on where Tampa is right now so uh one smart uh podcast person that i listen to regularly was talking about the general inability of blitz schemes like those that todd bowles tends to use to get to quarterbacks in the mcveigh tree scheme and how that might benefit jared goff with some one-on-ones uh okay I, I think that's an important point to think about but it's not enough for me to bet this so uh lean detroit but pass the Amon Ross St. Brown receiving prop is sitting 73 and a half. That is hefty for a guy that had to miss a game because of an oblique injury. Um, you know, I, I don't want to bet against Amon Ross St. Brown because obviously when him and Goff are on, it's ridiculous. But, you know, you know, he had to miss because of an oblique injury. Just want to throw that out there. The Josh Reynolds is down is now down because Amon Ross St. Brown's back in. The Reynolds line is down to 34 and a half. If Amon Ross St. Brown's on any sort of a pitch count or has to like miss a little bit of time in this game because the oblique flares up or whatever it might be, I don't know if you play the under on St. Brown or you just play the over on Reynolds, which I guess gives you a couple of different ways for that to get home, but I think that's at least an interesting angle here in this game. Uh, what are you looking at in this one here, uh, Stephen? No bet for me in this one. It would only be Lions uh, for me at three. I, I think there's two factors here. The, the Tampa Bay offensive line is horrific running the ball. They are not a good run-blocking offensive line, like bottom five in uh, several different metrics. And we have a head coach who refuses to stop running the ball on early downs. It's just, you know, Todd Bowles just refuses to not do that. So now they have to probably get behind the chains a decent amount, throw the ball a little bit more than they would like. And Baker Mayfield in that bad offensive line is facing – 
a Lions defense that blitzes at one of the two lowest rates in the league, but still gets pressure at the eighth highest rate in the league. That's a tough combination for Baker Mayfield, who traditionally has not done well when pressured. So um, I think this is a lot of, of just bad schematic situation for Tampa Bay in this game with the, the horses that Detroit has. And also Detroit's coming in a little bit healthier than they were last week when they still just pummeled Carolina. So um, Tampa Bay coming off a bye concerns me a little bit to bet the Lions more than a field goal here. So maybe I just watch and see if if my my opinion here on what this is going to look like for the Tampa Bay offense is correct early in the game and hopefully try and get a little bit better of a number on the Lions on the on the live spread. Arizona Cardinals, Los Angeles Rams. This is seven, a cheap seven, actually, in favor of the Rams at home over the Cardinals. 48.5 to 49 is your total. Uh, Steven, this is part of a two-leg money line parlay for me. I played the Rams and Eagles in a money line parlay. And if you're wondering, hey, guys, why did you, Matt, why'd you do that? Whatever, uh, mess around at your book, right? Because it was cheaper to play the money line parlay than it was to play a teaser. So that's why I played the money line parlay it might not be the case at your book of choice or whatever it is, but just, you know, mess around, always make sure you're getting the, the best price on all this. So I have Rams Eagles money line parlay. I think the Cardinals are kind of rounding into what we thought the Cardinals were going to be right. I mean, like, look, it was a fine story and sure they played a little bit better than we thought and they played better in first halves, but it's not equal in wins. And James Connors now out for them. Hollywood Brown was hobbled in practice this week. He is going to go, but like, you know, the Cardinals, I think, are just kind of ending up who we thought they were going to be. It was just kind of a roundabout way of getting there. Uh, the Rams should win this game. That said, I'm not really interested in laying the full seven, so hence them being part of a money line parlay for me. Yeah, I think it's getting expensive on the Rams as well, Matt. I think um, you know that is the way I would do it, either money line parlay or, or just a six-point teaser at minus 120. The Arizona Cardinals, you know, we talked the last few weeks when they were kind of um, pesky that maybe the coaching staff is better than we thought. Well, now I've kind of decided, I think the offensive coaching staff is better than we thought. Now they don't have anybody good on defense. Like they're just, they don't have any talent there, but it still kind of goes along with the priors of what we thought about Jonathan Gannon when he was the defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, that they did not perform well against good passing offenses when they faced a good quarterback. Uh, it was a lot tougher for the Eagles defense. And we just didn't see a lot of it last year because the Eagles had a very easy schedule right up until they lost to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So I think it's a, a pesky offense that could, you know, be annoying for some opponents, but I don't think this defense can really stop anybody. And now Matthew Stafford was already impressive the first month of the season without Cooper Cup. Puka Nakua is just a discovery. And now you get Cup back in the mix as well. I think the Rams are a team that could maybe fight for a wild card spot here now with the seven wild seven teams making the playoffs. So I, I have a lot of trust in this passing offense moving forward. We can talk in future weeks about what the defense provides, but I don't think it's going to be an issue here this week. So yeah, I'm with you here. Just getting this down to, you know, money line parlay or, or a teaser. And it, it looks pretty solid to me. Adam, the books wasted no time in getting Cooper cup right back into form here. 86 and a half is your receiving prop on, on Cooper cup in his second week back. But what that did do is it suppressed the Puka Nakua number down to 65 and a half. And then the Tutu Atwell number is down to 35 and a half for this Rams team. So 
maybe it's not the cup bet. Maybe you're looking more in the Puka Nakua way or maybe even the Tutu Atwell way. So something to think about if you want to bet this an alternative way. Uh, what do you say here about the Cardinals and Rams? This is a strange handicap for me because I'm not willing to come completely off the Cardinals being frisky. Uh, again, you go back to where they were in that game last week. They really were one or two flipped plays from covering against Cincinnati, at least covering a lot of the early week numbers that had them out near a touchdown. Um, the EPA numbers like them a lot on defense. They have the middle of the pack around 14th in the league, non-garbage time, which it doesn't match up with the eye test, but at the same time, like they, they have been able to keep games close for the most part. So I'm not willing to come off that, but I think the one thing that you can say for sure is that the Rams are back to being a lead on offense. They've been able to get around that offensive line. They're sixth in the league in non-garbage time EPA overall, and that is with only one week Cooper Cup. So I think the move on the total has been right here, 46 up to 48 and a half. There's still a couple 48s on the board. I would find the lowest number that I could uh, and consider an over. That's a lean, not a play. Uh, maybe an in-game overplay here if you see a couple of three and out drives at the beginning and you get this thing down a little bit maybe down yeah. to 44 ish then you look at an in-game over because really you've only seen the rams play one good half of defense this year one period a total of one good half of defense against the seattle seahawks in the second half of week one and the arizona cardinals have consistently been able to move the football even if they have not been able to win games so i do think points are the one thing you can probably count on in this game Good thing we waited until now to get to this game, Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Jets, because news coming through as we were talking here, guys, Jalen Carter and Darius Slay going to miss for the Eagles in this one. So I don't know if that changes your handicap or not. For me, I'm glad I just put in a money line uh, bet on the Eagles with the money line parlay with the Rams because uh, I don't think about I don't know I don't know about this covering the seven or the six and a half or even the six now that is popping up as we speak. So this line crashing, people taking the full touchdown and even the six and a half with the Jets forty one the total. Adam, uh, for me, it, it's still Eagles are winning. Eagles are going to win the game, right? I mean, uh, but now with this news. It also lets me know the Eagles are playing the long game because it just said on here, Jalen Carter's injury is minor, but they're just going to hold him out. Also, that gives you their opinion on the Jets in this game. They're like, yeah, it's a minor injury. We're just going to hold him out anyway, though, because, like, you know, we're, we're playing the long game here with all of this. Um, I don't know, man. Maybe it's an under on the 41 now because it's like, do the Eagles play a little bit more conservatively with what they've got going on? I, I don't know. Um, it does change at least a little bit for me, but I've, like I said, I'm already locked in on the on the money line side of things. Yeah, I was kind of already factoring Jalen Carter not playing into the handicap yeah. I have on this game based on the way that it was trending. And uh, this is one of those moments where, well, I have a lot of moments where I hate myself, but uh, I think this is one of those moments <laughs> where I truly hate myself because everything about this spot screams Jets to me except Zach Wilson. And yeah. I, I think that's why I'm ultimately not going to take the Jets if there are any sevens left on the board. But... This is a look-ahead spot for Philadelphia, without question. With Miami coming up next week, this is a classic look-ahead spot. It is also a second consecutive road game, even if you don't think that the the trip from Philadelphia up to New Jersey is a particularly long road game. It is a second consecutive game on the road. Um, Philadelphia did not play well last week. Philadelphia has not played 
air quotes well and to the level that we've seen them play through five weeks. I have a feeling that comes home to roost next week against Miami. I, I feel like the Jets are a team that we have this idea that they are really good on defense, and yet the numbers are not backing up that they're really good on defense quite yet. So I'll pass, but for me, strangely, this is actually Jets or pass. Steven, what do you say here? Uh, Eagles, one of two undefeated teams left in the NFL. So if you're holding that last undefeated team, you, uh, you're, 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 feeling, you're feeling the heat here because the uh, Niners have a cakewalk this week as to where the Eagles are now walking in at least a little shorthanded on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Last year we talked all about the Eagles' easy-ass schedule. We weren't sure how good they were, and then they had two easy-ass playoff games, including an injured quarterback, and then they almost won the Super Bowl anyway. And all of a sudden we're through five weeks, and everybody still isn't sure how good the Eagles are because they haven't had all that tough of a schedule. So it's just I, – I agree. I, I don't think the Eagles are one of the three best teams in the NFL at this point, uh, despite the fact that they are one of the two – remaining undefeated teams but in this matchup I it's not going to matter I don't think I the fact that Elijah Vera Tucker is now also out for the Jets against an Eagles front four that is phenomenal at getting pressure without blitzing is just a really bad recipe for Zach Wilson trying to complete passes against coverage with extra men on the back end so no interest in in the Jets for me this week, just because of the ticking time bomb that is Zach Wilson any given week, any given quarter, any given down. Uh, so that for me led to the fact that I think the Eagles are probably that anchor teaser leg of the week for me. Now that was when they were seven. Now we're getting six, six and a half, which is not your traditional teaser. You may just want to take the Eagles straight up here. Uh, because I don't, I think Jalen Carter matters more for the running game. He, he is doing very well. He's doing things we haven't seen since Aaron Donald as a rookie. Uh, but I don't think it matters all too much here against the jets. So, and, and even though they're down slay, Bradbury can still be on Garrett Wilson potentially here. You can roll some extra coverage with not blitzing and what other receivers do the jets actually have out there other than former Packers. So I think this is a great teaser leg here for the Eagles. Just at this point, you may want to just consider betting them straight up since it's not your traditional and seven is a win now instead of a push. Sunday night football, New York football giants and the Buffalo Bills. Guys, this is out to 15 and a half at some of the books out there. Uh, 44, 43 and a half, 43, 44 is your total. Adam, I'll let you give your, they're going to lose. I don't know how badly they're going to lose, but they're going to lose uh speech here. But I, I mean, look, like we said, I hate these games. The Bills are going to win. When do they decide to take their foot off the gas? When are they going to – I hate playing these guessing games. And so, for me, it's probably just going to be – I'll look at some props maybe a little bit more seriously as we get closer to the game and all of that. But I just can't see myself either backing the Bills even at 14 – there are 14 and a half out there, one 14 and a half. But I also don't want to take the, the, the Giants side either. Right, and we had the news come in uh, while we're recording the podcast that Daniel Jones is definitely out this week. So it is definitely Terod Taylor for the New York Giants. Um, I don't know that I can adequately explain in the time we have on this podcast how bad the New York Giants offensive line is. Um, it, it is by any ranking you choose in football, either bottom two or 
the worst by a long shot, depending on where you're looking. Um, and they're still hurt. Andrew Thomas is still not back at practice after injuring his hamstring in week one. He's a DNP twice this week. He's not going. Uh, Saquon Barkley is limited. I don't even know that it would make that big of a difference. Uh, not interested in the game overall. Um, I would say if you are interested in this thing, I would just keep an eye on where the total crashes to because we've already seen it come down from 48 to 43. Matt, I'm glad you brought this up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, the, the bills are going to be good for 30 plus points in this game. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. And what we've seen with the bills is that they have lost their most important defender at all three levels. Mm -hmm. Now with Trey white, and with Matt Milano and with Daquan Jones, they they are down some very significant pieces on defense. And if this thing gets out to a big, big lead, I have a feeling you might see even more rest on defense to try to keep them healthy, which might give the Giants the opportunity for a little garbage time. But if you even told me that this game ended up 38 to 7, well, you're still getting home. Yeah, I am glad you because I, I smell what you're stepping in here. I, I think that if this thing gets down to kind of that 43-ish, 42-and-a-half-ish, I'm going to come in on the over. The Bills are going to score, and on the defensive side of the ball, like you mentioned, I mean, they just, they're just they just down dudes, right? And I think the Giants with Trod Taylor, yeah, could they only score 10 or 13? Like, could they only 10-13, whatever? That might be good enough, right? I mean, 10-13 might be good enough for us to get this thing over. So that's kind of my angle here as well. Steven, what say you? This is just the worst Sunday night game I've seen in a long time. <laughs> this, this is brutal, man. It, it like, is. It is. The, the Giants could not score an offensive touchdown against the Miami Dolphins last week, who we all thought was a very suspect defense despite all their offensive accolades. I mean, it was brutal last week, and they couldn't they couldn't cover two touchdowns against that. And I know the Buffalo defense now is probably pretty similar to Miami in the fact they're missing so many players, but it's just – I don't know how you can even <laughs> – it's just a pass. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. It's been a long yeah. podcast. I'm good. I'll just it's say good. let's keep an eye on Buffalo <laughs> and that defense when they play a better opponent. If they are, again, a big favorite in that game, it might be a spot to come in and actually yeah. take the dog at that point. Agreed. Agreed. Guys, everything we do, absolutely free. So if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. Let us know in the comments section what's your favorite play of the week, what's your favorite game of the week, what's your favorite angle of the week in all this it's a reminder here also it is a weather week just it, we're still too far out to really really know what this is all about but be sure and check back in on all that stuff because it can play wreak havoc in your handicap also in the totals all the stuff like that so be sure that you're paying attention to that and as steven mentioned get in that uh, get in that discord upper right hand corner of at the lines.com homepage that is absolutely free as well and everybody's talking everything right up to kickoff and even through the games as well for steven for adam i'm matt good luck on all your week six bets 